Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Drivers Meeting Podcast, hosted by RJ Starcevic, a.k.a. NASCAR Report, and driver and team owner of the number 44 Martins Motorsports Chevrolet in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Tommy Joe Martins. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast. We are back again and with a great episode uh, for you today. Uh, the Milwaukee Mile is back for the ARCA Series. Almondinger's full-time. Corey LaJoy's to Spire, but the most important thing we have right now here, uh, Rafael Lassard, uh, another great guest on the show. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me on, on your guys' show. <laughs> so the main talk of the weekend uh, of the week has been uh, you going to GMS racing. And I know you were very excited about that. Uh, everybody, uh, the talk, I mean, that's a great opportunity. Do you feel like that's uh, an amazing opportunity that you got? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, if I look at what Chevrolet has done the past few years and developing drivers and just, I feel like their development programs got way better the last couple of years. And I'm just really excited because, uh, I feel like momentum is on their side, and last year was amazing for them. So uh, I think it's a new advent- adventure and a new chapter for me, and I'm just uh, ready ready for it. Uh, I've been with Toyota the last uh, five years and with KBM the last three years, so it's a big move. Uh, but sometimes doing something different helps, and uh, I'm just ready to, ready to go and re- ready to work with a new team. So Raphael, you're a, you're a young, winning Toyota driver, and that has kind of come with a little bit of a stigma here of, of Toyota has this amazing history of like developing winning cup level talent, and there just not being enough seats at the end of the road. Did that factor into this at all? Or you're sitting here going, look, I'm kind of at the beginning of my phase of my career, and Toyota obviously has done so much for you, but are you kind of looking ahead and going, look, if I got a chance to go somewhere, maybe Toyota isn't the right fit longer down the road. Yeah, that's that's what we that's actually a really good point. Uh, what we were looking at uh, long term, because if you look at Toyota, sometimes they got so much so many drivers everywhere, dirt, and I feel like they're always looking to find more drivers. And when you look up in Xfinity and Cup, I don't think there's a lot of seat available. And if you look at Chevy, there's a lot of good team in Xfinity that runs Chevy, uh, Cup Series is the same thing. So, uh, I mean, long-term, I think it's uh, it's be- it's going to be better for me and it's going to open more door for my career. I think so. So that was one of the points and one of the factors that made us switch to, to Chevy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good point. And I know a lot of people, like uh, you had kind of said before, uh, a thing uh, of your fans, you, you know, the initial reaction, you know, was, oh, no, you know, Lassard lost his ride, you know, where is he going to go? Uh, and we didn't really know. And, and now it's the GMS. And, and like you said before, the one the one thing that you're working on right now is getting uh, 
all 22 races because you have 12 right now. So right now that is, that is your main, main goal, uh, is, is working out that full season, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, all my fans were so disappointed and just thought I was getting kicked out. Or I, I got kicked out, but it's just like, it's our decision. And I mean, Kyle was okay with it and Toyota. I mean, they, they just wish me the best and it's 12 races right now, but we still got a little bit of time that we can uh, sign for the full season. And that's what we're working on. I got Kanak, my sponsor, that is back with me. And hopefully we can get another partner or a couple more just to be able to secure uh, 22 races. But if we don't, we're just going to run 12 races and try uh, to do my best and prove them that I, I, I got my place in this series and I can do a uh, I can be full-time in 2022, hopefully. Yeah, and Rafael, it looks like you're kind of taking the approach that has paid off for guys that, that, that have the opportunity like you have, where you've got a sponsor lined up, and now you've kind of got the playing field set out for you where you go, okay, I get to kind of choose who I want to go with here. Who do I think is going to be the best fit for me, my sponsor, and give me the best chance to be in a really competitive race car. And it's a little bit of like the bet on yourself move, right? Because it, you got enough funding, you could maybe run a full-time season with, with another team. But you look at GMS and you go, look, this is going to give me a chance to go out and win every single week. And I'm betting that if I go do that, we can fill in the rest of these races. Yeah, that's the goal. Uh, I mean, we always try to, like we could have gone somewhere else and with the, our budget to, and done the full season. But it's just like, you want people to see you up front and uh, I want people to see me as one of the contender every week uh, to be able to win. And I feel like with a year under my belt now and knowing what I, what I to expect and uh, being a, a way better driver than I was at the beginning of this year. And I've learned so much this year. So I think with next year with good equipment, I know I, uh, I can do something good. So that's why we went for 12 races right now. And hopefully uh, we can uh, figure out the rest uh, really soon. And Raphael, I want to follow up with that. Because something that RJ and I have talked about on the podcast before. I mean, I raced in the Xfinity Series for a small team, right? Yep. And there is that, like, I get it for somebody like you that looks at this and goes, look, I, I only want to be out here if I'm in a race winning ride. That's what it is, right? And I totally get the mindset for you last year being a young driver and driving for a team that is contending for wins every week, like Kyle Busch Motorsports. But like you even just said, it was, it was still kind of a learning year for you. What's that dynamic? There's so, there's gotta be so much pressure on you as, as a talented young driver, but you're stepping in a car or a truck in that case that you know can win. And it's like every mistake you make, it, it feels like it would almost be bigger Whereas like for somebody like me, when I was learning, I was learning in a, in a 25th place car, 30th place car, you make a mistake. Yeah. It didn't just ruin your chances of winning the race. You didn't have all the pressure of this is a winning car. If it's not winning, it's your fault. <laughs> like yeah. it almost kind of gave you a little bit more of a cushion. Whereas you just never had that. You were in a race winning car right from the get go. Yeah. I mean, uh, looking at it at the beginning of the year, I felt like uh, with the experience I had, I had no super speedway experience, no amount and a half stuff. Uh, I'd never run an Arca in a mile and a half. So it was it was like just jumping in the fire. And, and no practice. Yeah, uh, that's, that's the, the point. Like practice, every lap of practice was uh, 
something for me that I, I needed. Like right. I was looking forward to it and learning, and it, I think I could have progressed way quicker. But without, without any practice, like the, the air stuff, you know, in a mile and a half, it's so sensitive. Yeah. Like I had no idea. And I made some mistakes sometimes that, that cost us a chance at maybe running the t- in the top five and top 10 in points and qualifying for the playoff. And it's just, it's just part of the learning, I guess, but sometimes it sucks. But some, when it was going well, I thought we had chances to win, but when sure. it when I was doing a mistake or doing something that's part of the learning, like it was, it, 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 I felt bad because, you know, you, you got a lot of pressure and uh, Kyle was good with that because he didn't put pressure on myself too much because uh, he knew that I didn't have much experience and he was just trying to give me advice and make me become better, a better driver. And I think it paid off at the end of the year because we ran uh, pretty good and I was happy with how we ended. Right. And that's, see, when I've talked about that with RJ, I think about young drivers like you, clearly the talent's there, right? And you know, if you get in a race winning car, you know, you're going to go be competitive, but you would probably even say out of your own mouth, those first five or six races, it's probably unrealistic to expect you're going to go out there and win the race against some of these guys that have been out there in the series and doing it for a while. So it, it is this balance of expectations. And it's good to hear that, that a company like Cobbush Motorsports that deals with a lot of young drivers, at least kind of understood that they knew that this is, it's going to take a few for you to kind of get your feet under you. Yeah. That's what like Kyle was telling me at the beginning of the year. Like it's going to be tough. You'll see it. You'll think sometime you're like, Oh my God. But you just got to keep working, keep, keep going and keep trying to get better. And that's what I did all year. And I felt like about halfway through the season, I feel like that's when we kind of step up uh, our game and we were way better. But uh, some racing stuff happened. Like sometimes I was leading the race, uh, cut a right rear, uh, sometimes a mistake on pit road. So we win and lose as a team, but it's just uh, part of uh, – Anything, anything can happen, and sometimes it, it goes a good way, and sometimes it doesn't, but it's part of it. For, for me, Raphael, there was a moment, because I, I kind of came up the way that you did. Really, I ran late models. That's what I ran as ASA yeah. and, and did that at kind of the, you know, the Salem's, uh, Salem, Indiana, yeah. and like over there running the little short tracks and stuff, and you did a lot of that with KBM and Toyota, and you've been really active in the short track world now it took me a little while of running those races and running up front and having a chance to win races where at first, when you're first starting out, you're almost nervous about running up there. And then you show up and you just, it's just another race and you expect to be running up there. When you made the jump to trucks and you're in this kind of premier organization, how long, how many races did it take for you to show up and just feel like business? Because there had to be like a little stage there, of the, the first little bit of it. Same thing with me when I first showed up the NASCAR races. It was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in a NASCAR race today. And eventually you just go, I should be in a NASCAR race today. This is where I, this is where I need to be. Yeah, I feel, I feel like last year I ran five races in the truck series, two with DGR and uh, three with KBM. Yeah. And I thought like uh, Bristol, I had a good shot. I finished in the, in the top three. Uh, but – I would say probably after two, three races this year, because uh, I didn't know uh, what to expect. So super yeah. Speedway, Daytona was my first Super Speedway. Yeah. Uh, Las Vegas was my first mile and a half. 
So it was like, yeah, I, I got luck to learn. <laughs> yeah, the second the second super speedway race you would have ran, which uh, would have been Talladega, I believe, because you guys only had two this year. You went out and won it, you know, and then, I mean, that was a crazy finish. I mean, the way you won it, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just like you won by a million seconds, you know, that, I mean, it's Talladega, you're fighting right down to the wire. Um, how, how much of a confidence booster, you know, was that when you, when you're able to, to do the burnout, you get out of the truck and you realize you've won the race. I mean, that had to be a big confidence booster for you, right? Yeah. I mean, it just takes some pressure off your shoulder a little bit. I know like Talladega, anything can happen, but we were on the lucky side at that, that, that one. But I was like, the last few laps and the last restart, I was like, I'm in third. I got a shot at this and I'm just wide open. I'm not lifting. <laughs> and I had Ben Road pushing me as hard as he could. And I was just all day on. I was sideways on the straightaway. And it was it was a lot of fun. And I just to win a, a truck race, is, it, it feels, it's a dream. Uh, it's a dream come true, and I, I just – it felt really good. So I was like, damn, I, I want some more of that. And yeah. I, I feel like I got confidence now that I can do it. <laughs> well, it feels like you belong out there, right? I mean, yeah. that's that's the thing is right now in your career, nothing like with no practice and show it up and this racer in a truck, and you almost – I'm sure it had to feel like a little bit of the fish out of water, and then you wind up winning a race, and you're like, all right, look, I should be here. It's kind of like planting your flag in the ground a little bit. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's right. That's exactly what it is. And like I had a couple run, a good run before before yeah. Talladega, but in like, it never was a hundred percent. Like I know, like I race so much super lane model that I know in a super lane model I can go out and compete for wins, and I belong there. And I'm like, I'm confident, and like in any races I'm gonna do in a super lane, I know like what I, to expect, what I need, and I know we're going to be good and we just get, I can be relaxed and everything, but in a truck, I, you just, you, it just took a while to get that feeling. And that's same feeling that I can just be a little bit more calm and relaxed and uh, that I can still get the job done. How different was it for you? Cause it's, it's NASCAR, right? I mean, this was my dream my whole life. And then you get there and you get to do it. How different was it? in reality versus like what you thought it would be in your mind? Uh, I mean, it was a, it was different for sure this year because there was no fans, no family. Uh, you couldn't. It's kind of uh, weird of you to take, judge it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't uh, like take picture with your family, with your right. team, nothing. So right. that, was, that was crazy. But uh, I mean, it's just, it's a feeling like no others. It, you you kind of uh, dream about that that moment every day, and when it happens, you just sometimes I feel like you, it doesn't really sink in, like you don't you don't realize it until it's it's already gone. It's it's crazy. I mean, uh, just doing the burnout that's the best part. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> it had to be a pretty good one. <laughs> especially, especially the place where you got it. I see the wind poster back there, Raphael. I know you're just you're rubbing that in my face back there. I see it back there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I know you. You just said that that you had gotten back home and you talked about everything that you know you couldn't you know celebrate with as many people as you probably would have wanted to when you won the race. But 
Um, I know you said you're back home. Is this the first time uh, you've been back home since uh, the beginning? Uh, yeah, the- yeah. So I moved down to Mooresville in uh, January last uh, this year, and I just came back two weeks ago. So uh, it's been a while, and I didn't see my family a lot this year, but now I'm just uh, – enjoying time with them and just trying to spend as much time as I can before I go back uh, to Morrisville in, uh, in January again and try to, uh, tr- try to uh, go see my new team, just uh, be able to build a relationship, a good relationship with my crew chief, uh, just something uh, like, you know, a, crew, a team when you, you can work well together. It is, it's really good. And I feel like this year, uh, me and Mike Hillman Jr., we got to work really good uh, by the end of the year, and it showed. So I hope I can do that with my crew chief. I'm not sure who it's going to be yet, but I hope I can. Uh, we can work really well together. So your expectations of yourself, you've now won a race. <laughs> You're looking at this like, I need to be up near the front of the field, competitive, but I would assume that GMS is also looking at you, Raphael, like you said, you know, five, five races is what you run. What are their expectations to you? What was their pitch to you to come over and be with GMS racing? I mean, I just think uh, they saw what I could do this year and they were, especially at the end of the season. And sometimes I was competing with the, their truck a lot and running around their, their truck. And they were like, uh, well, he, he ended he ended the race in the top five with with his uh, future teammate, and I mean I feel like they're just gr- a good group of people back there. Mike Beam, uh, Keith, they're just uh, really good people, and I'm excited to work with them. And they didn't put any pressure, and it just uh, I feel like they believe in my talent, and that's really cool to see. And I I'm sure they th- I th- I do think we're gonna do a great thing together. And that's what they think too. So it's good to see that they're excited to have me. And they could have picked another driver to be full-time and to sign the deal right now, but they they didn't. So that's really cool to see. You got a lot of teammates, uh, new teammates to greet. I mean, have you, have you, because you haven't been there. I know you got, you got Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, Tyler Ankrum, uh, everybody running full-time over there. Uh, You got a lot of new teammates to me and they're all, they're all young, you know, um, and have, has it been a lot of, uh, I know, because you haven't been there, so it's been a lot of, vi- of video chatting and stuff like that to kind of kind of get well, in the swing of things? I kind of know them pretty good. Uh, like Sheldon, uh, I got to know him a little bit more this year, and he's a cool guy. He's got, like, no stress, and he's always, like, always cool to talk to. Uh, Zane and Tyler Ankrum. Tyler Ankrum, I consider him as a friend because I've raced against him uh, uh, in Super Late Model so much. And Zane Smith is the same thing. We, we were racing in Super Late against each other uh, when I was growing up. Uh, Chase Purdy got to be my, my teammate with DGR one, one year uh, in Super Late. So I kind of know them pretty good. And I'm, I'm excited. I feel like uh, they're really good. So they're going to be able to maybe uh, help me a little bit. And like guys like uh, Zane and Sheldon, uh, Ty, even Tyler, got a lot of experiences under their belt so uh, I think they're going to be able to maybe if they want to maybe help me a little bit (laughs) how many many times have you run into them yet Raphael in all those super late model races (laughs) uh not too much with those guys (laughs) (laughs) right 
All right, pretty nice to them. I don't think we never, uh, never really touched on Super Eight. I guess. <laughs> okay, well, that, let's keep that list short. The, yeah, that's yeah. one thing with having that many teammates is that's just more chances to run into somebody. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Five five uh, truck in the same team, so yeah. it, it's that's what you call a big team. <laughs> but also more information for you guys to kind of share and learn from too. Yeah, yeah, and also. Uh, it's going to be my first year working with a driver coach like uh, Josh Wise. Yeah. Uh, and he, I think he's really good. And he brought some really good thing to uh, guys like Zane, uh, Sheldon. I feel like uh, it helped Sheldon a lot, like with how he performed this year. He was uh, really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to talk real quick about the schedule for next year because it is changing up. You know, you talk about the tracks that you got experience on uh, this year. There are tracks that nobody got experience on uh, that you're running on next year. I mean, first you got Circuit of the Americas that you guys will be heading to. Um, and then um, you got the Knoxville dirt track and the Bristol dirt track. You'll be running, you'll be running two dirt races. So I know me and Tommy Joe have talked about how the, the schedule is pretty balanced, you know, so you can make uh, two, two dirt trucks, I believe three road course, uh, trucks how do you like the schedule the balance of it are you looking forward to these uh, new races uh, well I like changes so that's gonna be I think it's gonna bring a lot of excitement and if you look at this year with the, the Daytona road course uh, the truck series going back to Darlington uh, I, I thought it was amazing it was awesome uh, like nobody really knew what to expect and I felt like I performed really well at those places uh, but I'm not sure if I'm going to do all those races, those new places this year, Yeah. but hopefully we can sign for the 22 races and I can do them all. But, uh, the dirt race, that should be really exciting. Uh, especially Knoxville and Bristol, Bristol on dirt. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it, that's pretty special. Uh, I mean, if they can keep that much banking, it would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're all going to be tuned in, Raphael. Xfinity's not going to that, so I'm just going to be sipping, sipping a beer and watching that. You guys are going to put on a great show. I don't know how it's going to be. A, like, it's going to be crazy. Just, I, won't, I, won't, I don't know what to expect if I go there. I'm yeah. just going to go for it. Just uh, – Try and try to do my best, and uh, well, it's such a wild card, right? But it's it's not just for you, Raphael. It's for the entire field, right? And that's yeah, yeah. You're definitely going to have people that are kind of dirt specialists that show up for that race, but also guys like you that are in, in kind of a championship thing with a different mindset of like, you know what? I might not be good at this, but you know what? All these other guys might not either. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to be fun. Man. That's for sure. Like. I feel like as a race car driver, you always want to try new things yeah. and just kind of uh, get be good at different things. So, like, for me, a road course was something I wanted to be good at, and I felt like I performed really good. And then uh, dirt is going to be something else I want to be good at. So hopefully uh, I, get, I get to do it. See, the truck series there for a little bit, Raphael, over the last few years, just had the race in Canada. Yeah, that was, that was the road course race. And now that has expanded to three on the schedule now. So like the truck series was the place that, you know what, if you weren't a road course racer, it's all right. There's only one on the schedule. You know, it's a you struggle there. Matt Crafton, I heard him talk about that a lot where he said, yeah, I'm not a road racer. 
I just kind of throw that race away. Well, there's three now. Yeah. There's three yeah, now, and one win gets you in the playoffs and in a schedule like that. You know, that's intense. And, and for you to hear you say, like, that's something I'm actively trying to be better at. Well, yeah, you got to focus on it now. It's making up almost a third of the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I feel like NASCAR is bringing up, like, where you got to have the package. You got to be good at some different stuff. You, you can't be only good at oval. You got you to gotta be pretty good at the road course and also dirt now. Dirt, you, you, if I don't think you can throw away two races in a year. Uh, if you go on dirt, you, you're going to have to be ready for it. I, at least uh, practice somewhere on high racing or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, we talk about the road courses. I know uh, I'm looking at it right now. Coda is in the regular season. Watton's Glen is the regular season cutoff. So you could go in and walk it off and go to the playoffs. But then, you know, people say, oh, you know, win a road course in the regular season. What are you going to do in the playoffs? There's a road course race in the playoffs. Canadian Tire is actually the second race of the first round. And that yeah. first round is Gateway, Canadian Tire, and then Bristol. And I, I think you ran um, I think you ran pretty well at, at Gateway this year. I don't know if... Uh, I think there was like something that happened late in the race. I can't remember. I think that was the one race yeah, that I didn't get to watch. It was uh, on the restart, the last restart. I was uh, I was running fourth, and then I took the outside because I thought off of two it would be way better. Yeah. And then uh, the leader was Sam Mayer, and he took the outside and spun his tire. And I was I restarted six and got in turn one in like tenth. Right. So <laughs> I I ended up finishing six, but it was. Uh, uh, that 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 didn't that wasn't good. The last three stars didn't help us at all. Yeah, well, I, I I can't wait for next season. I know uh, the one thing that you're talking about is getting those extra ten races because you got twelve. It's twenty two in the season. You need ten more. So uh, hopefully you can keep racking them off. Whether they all come at once, that's awesome. But uh, keep uh, getting the sponsorship money because that's that's a huge thing uh, to keep going. And and if you do uh get that full season um is is that kind of what you're picturing in your mind right now when you think of the goals that you have for next year are are you thinking like okay you know uh full time are you still kind of waiting it out well i mean we still got the option to do full time so that's kind of uh, what i'm focusing on and just trying to uh, stay positive and uh, just believing in it sometimes it, it it's gonna help but uh if like when we get to the cut off date that we can sign the full deal and we don't if we don't uh i'm just gonna, at that point on i'm gonna focus on the 12 races i'm gonna do and try to be as ready as ready as i can and as prepared as possible to get there and perform and then prepare 2022 uh as soon as we can so we don't get to uh, the same point we were this year just trying to move things around and figure out some stuff uh, in November at uh, mid-November and the end of November. Hopefully yeah. we can uh, settle everything uh, before that next year. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know you got a great fan base behind you. So uh, we're, we're rooting for you to get that. No, we wish you the best of luck uh, next year. So we'll let you go. And I really appreciate uh, you coming on here and uh, hope you have a great rest of your off season and best of luck for next year. Thanks, Raphael. Same to you guys. <laughs> Thanks.
And we're back. Rafael Lassard uh, has departed, but uh, we'll wrap off the show with a few of the things that I noted on in the beginning. Uh, not much news this week. Uh, a little dry as we start to get into the center of the offseason. But uh, there were some cup news, Xfinity news that came out. Um, I'd say the main thing this week that everyone's focused on or came out uh, last night was Corey LaJoy. He has found his ride, and I think we had talked about that uh, previous podcast. That was the rumored place he was going to go. He will drive the number seven, uh, which is um, from from all the graphics and everything. It's just the 77 cut in half, so it, it makes sense. It's pretty cool. They'll get the number from uh, Tommy Baldwin, got the, uh, got the okay to use it. Um, but, you know, everyone's going to look at that and say, you know, Corey was, you know, hyping it up like it's an, uh, an improvement from GoFast, and it is. But a lot of people are thinking, oh, he's just going to Spire, looking at the results from last year. But uh, they are getting stuff from Hendrick and Ganassi. That's the expectation. So with Corey LaJoy, uh, most of the cup rides filling up now. Uh, do you think it's a good move for him? The question here is, what were the moves that were available? Right? So like... <clears throat> spending the time with Raphael Lassard and kind of talking about the opportunities that that Raphael had. Raphael had 12 races worth of kind of premier sponsorship in his pocket there. He got to kind of dictate where he wanted to go, right? Like Raphael even said, I could have run a full schedule. We had enough money to run a full schedule. Was that with the team that I wanted to run the full schedule with, right? So he chooses to go for the 12 with GMS, championship level program and he's going look if i have some success we hope we can fill in some more and maybe get me there right so my question there with Corey was what what do we have already what were the options in place right because maybe it was the best option that was available for Corey. now Corey, and of course they are going to talk about it and say well this is the best egg of all time why wouldn't they right but it's hard to not look at this objectively and go spire motorsports was a 32nd place team. That's what this was. Corey was coming from a 28th place team. Now, if they just go out and they're a 28th place team, it was a lateral move for him, right? But the field in cup is changing a lot. You and I've talked about that in a lot of podcasts now where we've said, you know, the competitive cars in the field are moving around. Spire is wanting to move up to that next little group in the cup series, which would be that Jermaine Racing, the 47 and 37, uh, Front Row Motorsports. That's how it seems like they're talking about themselves. Is we, we want to be in that kind of the C group in the Cup Series, right? The A group, we all know them. Penske, Hendrick, uh, Gibbs, uh, Stuart Haas. There's a B group, right? We start talking about um, the ones right under that like uh, like Chip Ganassi, right, would be a good good B group there. And then you get back to the C group, and now you're going to start talking about that JTG, uh, the uh, Front Row Motorsports, and, and they probably don't like being referred to it as this, but when you look over the course of the standings, you can kind of see the breakdown of where these bigger teams kind of line up, right? Okay, well, realistically, last year, Spire was a D group. And the way they're talking is that they want to be a C group. And that's good. That, is, that would be a positive move for Corey. And I think that TJ and I think Matt uh, over there at Spire, 
this is this has always been a long game for them. Yeah. I am a little leery here, RJ, when we start talking about how good anybody's going to be. This is a dead season. This season does not matter. Let me tell you from an ownership standpoint, nobody in the Cup Series, other than the elite front-running teams, once you get past that A and B group, nobody cares about their cars from this season. It's worthless. They're completely worthless. Everything about them is worthless. So to hear Corey and the guys over there say, this is going to be a bigger, better deal, and we're getting all this stuff, like, uh, financially, are you? Because I don't know if that would be the thing. Like, I would be pointing towards 2022, right? And, and I think they are as an organization, but you can't just say this is going to be a dead thing. But Corey even came out in the statement and said, it's a two-year deal with an option for a third. Okay, well, I would probably judge them more so off of what they do in 2022 than potentially this year. And I know that's tough, but the motorsports analytics guys and, and the people that are kind of the stat nerds when it comes to NASCAR, Corey LaJoy is a good driver. He is a plus value driver in NASCAR. He is an undervalued, underappreciated asset with a great fan base, great with the media, great presence on social media, funny, engaging, has a history with his family and the sport. It's like draw him up in a lab and Corey LaJoy is what you're, what you're looking for in a Cup Series driver. Spire is saying, this is our guy. We, we really want to build around this guy. He's got experience. He's young. We can develop around him. I think it's a great fit. But from a competitiveness standpoint, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, RJ, and start thinking that it's going to be something it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think for, for Corey LaJoy, I, I feel like, you know, cause I trust him in this because I feel like he has to know this is the time, because if we look back on his career um, first in the cup series, he really started, you know, with BK racing and, and, you know, I don't think he had much expectations there to compete. Um, I don't think anybody there did, uh, you know, he moves on from there. They shut down. He goes to, to try star who he ran on a partial schedule in the 72. And then finally he runs that he ran solid enough to get was, that. was sneaky, pretty good. Yeah, in that deal for TriStar. Yeah, I, I thought thought that orga, whole organization was good, and then they kind of just you know went away after that. But that was my guy Lloyd. Frank Kerr, by the way. He was he was uh, competition director for Martin's Motorsports the second half of the year. Yes, Frank yes, Kerr yes. was on, on that TriStar deal there, so I'm gonna I'm gonna plant the flag there for Martin's Motorsports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. No, like you said, Tri, TriStar did did really well, and I think he did well enough to get that full time ride uh, with GoFast. He did it for two years, and I think GoFast when he got that full time ride because he hadn't had anything full time before that. He had ran twenty, thirty ish races, and he really saw that as okay. You know, I know, I know when he first signed there, I'm pretty sure you know the one thing he wanted to elevate the team, and everybody does, but they were kind of trying to get to that level they didn't really uh they tried to you know get some relations with shr tried to do some things and you know in the end with Corey, you know leaving for another opportunity he knew that it it just didn't work out and he finds fire Corey came into that deal and here the, the thing that i'll say is Corey was a benefactor of some framework being laid at a couple of places yeah so when Corey did the bk deal that was a Matt DiBenedetto deal that Corey then came in and, and performed admirably, right? And then he goes over to the deal with the 72. Well, Cole Witt had been with the 72 there. Corey's there. 
they both are performing, I would say, performing probably better than the car yeah. really was. Doing a great job. The 32 deal, that was a De Benedetto stepping away, Corey coming in and filling that seat admirably. And so when we look at these cars that he's been in, they've had a history of being D-level cars that really at times noticeably have outperformed where they were with the drivers in line. And if you go, well, I think Matt Benedetto really proved himself. Okay, well, you know what? So did Corey LaJoy. Because he's lined up roughly in the same spot that Matt did in that car. And if you think that Matt is capable of going to win races, which he's proven that he is, then Corey is the same level of driver, at least comparably should be given that same kind of a thought. If I'm running a team, I see him in kind of the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really good what he's gotten here. And like you said, you know, both of those guys, uh, Benedetto, LaJoy, those were guys that came in to a ride that was D-level and made it look better than it was. And that's what a lot of people notice uh, of these guys that haven't been in top rides. And now Benedetto's in one. And, you know, this year was his first year, so we didn't expect him to dominate. But I, I would expect him to be very solid. I mean, he made the playoffs this year, had some great runs. But, you know, like you said, uh, back back to this year the dead year you know uh what does what what are they expecting because that's that's what i want to know uh what you want to know what we want to know you know what are they gonna go out and get for this year even though it doesn't really matter you know we're all focused on 2022 the next gen uh you know i'd keep relating back to when matt tift was here you know he explained it greatly uh what they're trying to do this year and just building themselves up for 2022 and if they can do that then i think they have a they have a good solid chance of being successful yeah it's going to be a long-term play again let's not judge Corey. um let's give him some props i'm happy he's got a full-time ride Corey is good for nascar he, i mean he outward vocal love Corey, love his perspective he in the cup series really took over that matt de benedetto role and i think he's done more with it than matt did about kind of speaking for underdogs in the sport, right? Being a small team driver, but talking about openly the finances and how that dynamic plays out and, and, and kind of feeling like you got to prove yourself every week and all that. And I think Corey has, has done a masterful job of speaking for that. And he's easy guy to root for, right? So I'm, I'm rooting for Corey LaJoy. I just don't want to set us up here where we like Corey LaJoy so much, we forget what we're really stepping into, right? Like don't buy into the PR hype here it's still not going to be a JTG level car. I, I just don't see it. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see how that's going to happen next year or practically why it would happen next year, unless there was some big sponsorship type of change going on over there. And I just don't see it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Spire, you know, it's, it's not just LaJoy. They are still planning on having that second car, which is vacant right now. We don't know. They say they have a charter. We don't know where, you know, where it will come from, which team, you know, would it come from the 37, which was immediately uh, originally what they said. Uh, we kind of talked about that last week, but uh, the, the rides are, are winding down and they have been every week. Uh, you have that one spire ride left uh, open. And then tomorrow, tomorrow morning, we find out, I don't think it's a full-time announcement. I think it might just be for the 500 uh, for Rick, we racing uh, seeming like it's a pretty, pretty solid announcement coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m eastern um probably by the time 
uh, people are listening to this, uh, this uh, the announcement will already have happened a few hours before this is posted. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, uh, we look at the free agent guys. I mean, Ty Dillon. Uh, Ty Dillon's the name that uh, is coming up now. You know, before it was Corley Joy. Okay, he goes to Spire. Now I think uh, that name is Ty Dillon. Everyone's wondering where he's going to go because he doesn't want to go away. He wants to go in any ride, you know, that he gets, but he's obviously going to go with the best one available. So do you see anything out there right now that, you know, applies to the Ty Dillon pot potentially hopping in the seat somewhere? Look, I think realistically that D level of the garage in the cup series is now broad enough that let's say, let's say Spire is actually sea level, right? Let's say that they they do they are a little bit better. I just think that that D level is now getting broader to the point that when you're at the front of that pack, maybe you're running 25th. It's not like you're running like crap. Yeah. Whereas th- that D level used to be a lot smaller in the Cup Series, and it was actually a lot harder to overachieve. Well, now you have these teams that are wild card teams. We have no idea what the 99 is going to be. Yeah. No idea. Is that going to just be essentially what Jermaine was? Is there going to be better than that? Is that going to be a C-level team? I don't think I wouldn't expect more than that, especially from a first year. What's going to happen with um, Denny Hamlin's team? How good are they going to be? I would expect them to be about a B-level team. I would expect them maybe to be a little bit better, but maybe, maybe not quite what we're going to hype it up to be. Again, it's a first year. So th- there's a lot of questions there. And if Ty Dillon is kind of reading this and going, you know, that's 77 car full time. If I can kind of just be where I was competitiveness wise with Jermaine racing, where I was running for top 25s, you know, maybe the name has changed here, but my place on the grid has stayed about the same. Well, then maybe that makes sense. Right. But, but if I'm Ty Dillon, I'm looking at this going, okay, do I have a chance to go to RCR and run Xfinity? Because I know that's a championship level car. And if I can do that, then that's probably what I'm going for. It's kind of a career reset a la John Hunter Nemechek right now, who, I, <laughs> you and I talked about it on the podcast. I don't, it's a little surprising that he's going through a career reset. I feel like he had a pretty good year. But Ty Dillon has now been in that, that kind of stuck in a rut feeling a little bit with his place on the grid now for a few years, does he want to go down in Xfinity? Does he want to contend for playoffs for a championship in the Xfinity series? I think that's kind of the question and what RCR is going to do in the Xfinity series. Cause they're the only ones that really haven't announced right now. Yeah. Everybody else in Xfinity has announced. We know what Stuart Haas is going to be. We know what Penske's going to be. We know what uh, Joe Gibbs racing is going to be. We know what junior motorsports is going to be. So all the big players, we know what colleague is going to be, three full-time teams. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the, the only players now, those A-class rides in Xfinity, the only ones left open right now are the RCR cars. And, and that was one car last year. Is it one again? Is it none? Is it two? We don't know which way that could go. And I think Ty Dillon is going to be a factor in that. Yeah, I think because uh, you bring up a great point, bringing up the RCR Xfinity teams, I think right now looking at all the cup teams are available and comparing them to the RCR Xfinity team, I think the best ride available right now is the RCR Xfinity rides because they just won a title two years ago. 
those cars are great. You got uh, Myatt Snyder, Alfredo coming in with limited experience and doing very well. So if I think if anybody, I mean, we know how experienced Ty Dillon is coming in there for a full season. That is a championship winning car. And for a, for a young guy or for Ty Dillon wanting to revamp his career, um, it could be a great, uh, great factor to come into that car and do very well. And, and I, I am still kind of surprised that it, <laughs> it hasn't been announced yet. Cause you said there, everyone else, everyone else is pretty much set, uh, as far as those teams in the Xfinity series, like we talk about a lot. Um, but yeah, is it one, is it two, is it Alfredo, you know, is it, is it Ty Dillon? You got Mike Snyder. Hey, RJ, I look at, I look at this now, like thinking about it with Corey, Corey LaJoy up there in the cup series, he has some sponsorship with Schuler systems and, um, a few sponsors that are, that are kind of his sponsors that he's able to take to the negotiating table with the team. Right now, we don't know what the price point is per race that the team is kind of looking to get in sponsorship for their budget, but you know that Corey is able to bring some of that funding to the table. Now, by the way, anytime that I talk about a driver bringing funding, I want this to be known to everybody on the podcast. That is not a slight, right? That is the business that we live in today. Right. So it's either you're bringing it or the team already has it, but there has to be some sort of money. So we know that Corey doesn't have a huge, you know, million dollar a race type of sponsor or he would be over at Hendrick. Right. <laughs> so with Ty Dillon, when he was at Jermaine, that was Geico. It was Geico, 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 Geico every week, Geico, little twisted T mixed in. And that was it. Those were the sponsors. And so for Ty, the reason that Jermaine shut down was not because Ty Dillon left with the Geico sponsorship. Geico pulled out. Geico is out. They're just going to focus on their sponsorship of NASCAR in general as a premier series sponsor in the cup series, which, you know, not a great look. I'm not going to go down that road right now, but it never looks great when a team shuts down because a sponsor wants to sponsor NASCAR in general rather than a team. That's not a great, <laughs> that never looks good, right? So Ty, in that sense, couldn't really control his own destiny from, from what I've seen from the outside. This is, again, an outsider's perspective here. I don't know what's going on with the funding there. But Ty might be more limited with his opportunities, right? So if Spire is looking at LaJoy and he's able to bring some funding, well, that, that makes their decision easier, right? But if they're looking at Ty Dillon and going, we're having to foot the bill, well, if that's the case, do I look at Ty Dillon and go, he's 100%, without a doubt, the best choice I could possibly make for this ride? If I'm paying somebody and now I'm going to sign a driver, I'm paying the money, is Ty Dillon the absolute best choice for the ride? Because with that being the case, there's probably some other people that I'm at least going to throw into the mix, like Landon Castle. You know, we talked about A.J. Allmendinger, which we're going to talk about him in a minute. But there were some other names out there where I would at least have, like, had conversations about who would be the best available driver if that's the direction they were going to go. Whereas with RCR, you know, obviously it's his family team. They already have some sponsors in place that are team sponsors there. Even if it's a limited schedule, I think that he will be able to find a place there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. Ty Dillon, I, th I think he, he is talented, you know, and, and being in the Definitely. 13 wasn't the, 
greatest top tier equipment. You know, people people figured it was the exact you know same car that Austin Dillon was going out and racing, but it's not. Yeah, you not know? true at all. And and that's why they weren't you know getting the results. Geico leaves and and they're done. You know, they have no, no sponsors, like you said. So. I think I think wherever he does go, he he has so much experience to the point where if he hopped in an RCR championship winning Xfinity series car, I I I would consider him not a championship favorite, but definitely a very very high contender at least. You would uh, say he there. would be an absolute contender for one of those final four spots. I mean, with for the sure. experience level that he's got in the car there. And so that that tells you what we think about Ty Dillon. And it also tells you the dynamic that's really going on at play here in NASCAR, where you can have experience, you can be young, you can you can kind of have branded yourself well, you run in a mid-pack car, and there is that fear of kind of being forgotten about and being overlooked. And I think that's how Ty feels right now. And so it just asks the question like, okay, do I want to keep going down this road or do I want to try to do something completely different? And I think the people that have some funding and have those type of options available to them they get to make that choice. We saw what John Hunter did, and now we'll kind of see what 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 are the options for Ty, and then what does he choose going forward? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the Xfinity series real quick. I know we got uh we all we always talk about the main thing. Uh, we talk about a few main points, but always those guys in the Xfinity series, the guys you can pencil in to playoff spots, the big powerhouse teams. You know, does RCR bring one or two? Well, we found out that colleagues bring in three. <laughs> we got one more full-time car added to the mix, and it is A.J. Allmendinger, who was a threat this year in the races that he just showed up to. I mean, given the guy's an incredible road racer, goes out and wins an oval at Atlanta, um, was pretty pretty, pretty uh, contending at the short tracks. I think he ran Martinsville, and he ran a Bristol race, and he was pretty solid in both of them. Didn't dominate like he would on a road course, but now he has set himself for a full-time season. He is going after the championship. He's just not going there to, uh, you know, and he races with a ton of passion anyways. You know, he's not just going there to win for, for Matt Colligan. The guys, he is going to win a championship, and I think, you know, man, there. Uh, like we've talked about before and I've said a lot, I am excited for next year and the names just keep coming in. These guys that are, that are going for the championship. And I think AJ Allmendinger, um, you know, you, you got the Charlotte Roval that's in the playoffs. We talked about that, a road course in the playoffs. You got a ton of road courses during the season. He, he's going to win one of them probably most likely he is he is going to win one of them. So I, I think AJ Allmendinger could be a very, very uh, solid championship favorite right now. See, and I look at the AJ signing, obviously this is great. I mean, AJ is a great driver, great personality, great for the series, great for the sport. Just checks across the board, right? Love it. Love that he's going to be full-time in our series. It's great. As a insider here, obviously this is affecting something about Martin's Motorsports, right? Because this is another A-level team that's kind of jumping in in a grid spot ahead of us. So, I mean, it's obviously it's something that we pay attention to. But when I think about the playoff structure, and we've talked about this before, RJ, those top 12 teams, right? It's 12 teams. It feels like that's kind of locked up now. Yeah. And I don't want to really like dive off and just go, well, snooze fest. Because look, Xfinity puts on great racing. An individual race and Xfinity race, ton of fun. We do put on a wonderful show. Yeah. But when I look at the bigger picture here, there are now 
11 confirmed A-level teams right now. That's not counting the RCR cars. Now, there were 12 last year. That's how many we had total. So now with three full-time college cars, full-time, three full-time Gibbs cars with full-time drivers, Penske, Stuart Haas, and then we're going to go with two junior motorsports drivers that were full-time or sorry, three junior motorsports drivers that were full-time. Well, that's 11 spots in the playoffs. Yeah. Without so, RCR. And, and, and RCR hasn't announced yet. And without Ryan Sieg's team either. <laughs> so it just feels like the playoffs are now a formality for these guys that are going to be up there getting stage points in these A-level cars every week. Yeah. The only thing that would shake it up would be a dramatic, weird, Jeremy Clements-esque Road America type of win, <laughs> hopefully from your guy right here, right? Something weird to shake off the playoff grid because if RCR was to confirm a full-time driver in the 21 car, well, then it, you could basically pencil in the 12 spots. Right now, I'd pencil in Ryan Sieg as the 12th one. They have clearly established themselves as a top eight team in the series. So I don't want to slight them as not an A-level program because they, they basically proved that they are, right? Yeah. They're like B plus, <laughs> B plus level program. So when I look at that, I go, ah, man, the AJ thing, it, it changes the playoffs. When I look at his championship chances, well, absolutely, you got to pick him as one of the favorites. Right. And we came in one races this year. Colleague put a car in the final four this past season. They've proven they can do it. He's got to be a favorite and a favorite to, to win a lot of races. But I think in the bigger picture, how does it change the playoff picture? And I go, well, it feels like that picture is kind of done now. It feels like that's kind of we've, we've kind of we know who who the players are going to be. That's no disrespect to Brandon Brown. That is no disrespect to our motorsports. That's no disrespect to Martin's Motorsports or Jeremy Clements or uh, DGM or anybody that's proven that they can be in that next little group. That's no disrespect to any of us. But clearly the 39 had established itself as as better than us last season, than, than our group. And it feels like the front of the field is getting deeper. So you just go, okay, well, now to get in the playoffs, I basically have to win a race. Like that's how it's going to have to happen because I'm not going to point my way in like a Brandon Brown did this season. Yeah. Do you, do you think honestly, from a, from a driver and owner standpoint, just for you um, and I know other people might as well. Do you think if they ever did expand, I, I don't think they, they would, but if they did, you know, they got 12 and maybe they realize that it's almost a lock and if they almost feel like for fan entertainment or just to get other teams in, do you think Xfinity series would ever think about expanding it to, or, or even to 16 for the playoffs? Yeah. And, and I don't know, RJ, I don't know if that's better or worse. Right. Cause let's, you know, yeah. thinking about it out loud here, we go, all right, well, these are the top 12 cars and they're, they probably should be the ones in the playoffs. I mean, realistically. So, I mean, is it really, does it serve anything other than like, I get to put a banner up in the shop yeah. <laughs> that I, you just kind of just throw four of them out there. And it's not like I wouldn't be racing my guts out to try to be one of those top four. But if, if we're in there and what are our real odds of advancing here against 12, a level yeah. cars, if, if it's low, 
what is that really serving to the fans? Like, personally, I think it ought to be 16 in every series. This is just me saying it. I mean, I just think it ought to be uniform. It ought to be 10 races and 16 cars in every, in every series. I just think it ought to be the same. And everybody goes, well, what the, what are you talking about? 10 races? That would be half of the truck season. I go, yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun? Like it would kind of be this crazy thing, right? Where all of a sudden when the regular season is now shorter, well, there's going to be more pressure on each individual race and there could be more upsets of people getting in, right? So like, let's say Timmy Hill and his team just got off to a hot start in the first five or six races. And now those guys in those front type of cars, like we were talking to Raphael, Raphael's in a GMS car. He's running up front, but he has some bad luck in a few races, gets some bad finishes, well, crap, dude, playoffs start in like eight races, <laughs> you know? Now it's like, man, I got to go win right now. So it actually would create even more just craziness, yeah. uh, which I think is good uh, from a fan standpoint. It, it, that's a fun thing. So, like, I think they ought to expand the field in general. But thinking about it practically, RJ, I don't think it would really change a lot. What yeah. we're really talking about here is an equipment difference from the front of the field to the middle of the field and that gap being really, really big. Um, and we hear this referenced <laughs> subtly in broadcasts where they say, oh, a lot of lap traffic. Lap traffic is becoming, a, it's, it's becoming a big thing in NASCAR. It's like really what they're saying is there's a lot of slow cars. Yeah. <laughs> um, which it's not that there's a lot of slow cars. It's just that there is a, small group of incredibly fast cars because in the Xfinity series, there's 12 of those. And then there's like 24 of the rest of us that on a given week, Mike Harmon could be running 13th, right? We saw Bailey Curry do it. We we saw Kyle Rutherman finish eighth. Okay. But on a given week, that 25 cars could be completely topsy-turvy but there is such a huge difference between that 12th car and the 13th one. And it's a gap that seems like it's getting wider. And so now when I think about the playoffs and how hard it is to get into those, you got, and and with playoff points being a thing without playoff points, this could get really weird, right? It could be a real wild card, but because of those playoff points and because of rewarding the consistency of those teams being up near the front every week, it feels like a little bit of a formality over the course of a, of a, in the Xfinity series, 26 races worth of points to kind of protect yourself against a team like mine that might get off to a hot start. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you said like, you know, the four teams, if, if they were to go from 12 to 16, you know, you'd be happy, you know, you'd put a banner up. Uh, we made the playoffs, but a lot of people be like, okay, well, how long is this going to last? You know? Uh, and I, I feel the same, even in the cup series, you know, at, I mean, they're all great up there, but in the cup series, I feel like when we start with 16, cause there are those teams that just win and they finish, you know, 21st and overall points, you always look at those. There's at least, I feel like three guys, every time we start the year, like, okay, I don't know if, you know, I don't know how far they're going to go. Uh, but it's great, you know, to have them in the playoffs, but this year, you know, when we have 12, okay, you know, if there's 12 powerhouse teams, 12 playoff spots, that 
creates chaos. I think the guys always at the back, um, that'll be maybe 10th, 11th, 12th in the standings. They will be fighting with each other because of the thing that you said, if you have a Jeremy Clemens road America win, you know, out of nowhere, if, if you go win a race, if DGM, uh, wins a race, cause Alex LeBay, I mean, heck he could go win a road course. Absolutely. Um, uh, you got a lot of guys, Josh Williams. I mean, he was great this year. Brandon Brown, absolutely, uh, win a race. Martin's it, Motorsports. It's not that this could be written, right? And you look at my part of the field and you go, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, we got a top 10. DGM got a few top 10s. Uh, you know, uh, our motorsports and Brett Moffitt, championship level driver, yeah. finishing the top five, finishing the top 10. It's not that that couldn't happen. It's not out of the realm. Of, if I said right now, uh, our motorsports is going to win a race next year. You wouldn't just go, wow, there's no way that would ever happen. You'd go like, okay, well, that probably took some weird stuff happening, but but yeah. we could see that happening, sure, on a late race restart or an overtime, something going on. Without a doubt, it could happen. But barring something weird, when you have what I'm projecting as 13 or 14 A-level cars, and 11 or 12 full-time drivers in those A-level cars. Well, it feels like that the playoff thing is kind of taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a wild year. A lot of guys coming into their second uh, full-time season. Some first looking for, you know, Riley Herbst will be looking for some redemption. Daniel Hemrick looking to get back on track. I know there's a, it's going to be a lot of talented drivers uh, uh, in talented cars. So that'll be awesome uh, to watch, but uh, today, uh, we'll talk about the news today. Um, the Arca series announces their schedule and that was kind of the last piece. You know, we had cup, we had Xfinity truck and we we're waiting, waiting for Arca to get that schedule out and, and Hey, they're going to the Milwaukee mile for the first time since 2007. And, and I know yeah, for baby. me, my, my family, uh, before I was even born, they would always go to the Milwaukee mile just for business. They weren't even fans of NASCAR. I think they had a business. They would always go to the Milwaukee mile cause they sponsored uh, Hank Parker jr. On the 36 car, uh, way back in the day. Uh, but it's a great facility. They have kept the place, uh, very well, you know, and, and now they're getting an ARCA race back and, I think that'll be cool. I mean, were, were you excited at all to hear the news that they're they're going back to the Milwaukee Mile? I think it's awesome. Uh, there are a few tracks that are kind of grouped in my mind as like the best tracks that aren't already on a Premier League schedule. When I say Premier, I mean a top three NASCAR schedule. Yeah. The Milwaukee Mile was one of those for a while now. Another one being like, this is where the Milwaukee mile was in my mind, right? This is the group that it falls in. It was Milwaukee, Rockingham, Indianapolis Raceway Park, Memphis, Gateway being one that, that is on the truck series schedule, but I thought is potentially an Xfinity deal. Iowa now that has been removed. And, and, these, and you know what's interesting about every single one of the tracks that I named here? These are short tracks. <laughs> These are a mile or less in length. And it's something that fans have said they want more of. Remember, ARCA is not a solo organization now. NASCAR owns ARCA. And I'm just thinking, is this a dipping of the toe in the water of, is this something we could maybe put a truck race here? Is this a place where we can maybe put an Xfinity race here? 
and shake up that schedule, as NASCAR has said, the 2021 schedule we're looking at now is the first step of something that they're really trying to do. Yeah. Are they dipping their toes in a couple of these venues, like with the Iowa thing, keeping an ARCA race there, keeping that track open, keeping something on the schedule there? Okay. Are they positioning themselves to where maybe they're going to have a chance to, to, to maybe take a, a premier series there again? Or is this just like, you know what, we think this track's going to put on a good show and it fits the market. We wanted to have a race up there in the, in the Midwest, up there in Milwaukee. Uh, whereas in our series now, Xfinity and Cup going to, uh, to Wisconsin up there to run Road America now. So where does Milwaukee fit into the bigger picture here? I guess that's just where my mind goes with it. But really yeah, cool. Think, awesome racetrack. Yeah. Awesome racetrack. And to me, exactly the size and the type of track that we need more of on the schedule, something different, a short track, a one mile track that's going to race different. I think about New Hampshire and the way that that track races, uh, Phoenix and Dover. Those are our three one mile tracks and Milwaukee would be a fourth that's very different. Yeah, I think experimental is definitely uh, a word we can use for a lot of what's going on this year, especially, you know, because it's a dead year. And and the one thing that I notice about the schedule wise is, you know, Nashville Super Speedway, you know, people want to go to Nashville Fairgrounds, but I think, you know, they're going to be in Nashville Super Speedway for a few years. Um, I think the plan is not to stay at Nashville Super Speedway for 10 more years. I think the plan is to test, you know, the area, see what they draw. They, they did the, uh, the, uh, the ceremony there at the end of the season. I think it's just to test the area, see what they can do, what they can draw in. Uh, a lot of people are a fan of it, not necessarily a fan of Super Speedway, but I look at it as, okay, this is, this is probably our only pathway to getting the Nashville Fairgrounds back in shape if we were to bring the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series or Heck, even the Cup Series, if they went there. And I did get a little confused uh, by the ARCA schedule because, you know, like, like you said, we got Iowa back on there, right? And then one of the other tracks you mentioned, IRP, is gone. Uh, they will not head there. Uh, the ARCA Series won't head to IRP. But then they bring in Milwaukee. Um, Rockingham, you said Rockingham, the Cars Tour, I believe, is heading there, their first race of the season. Yeah. So they, they got some racing going on. I think Me Memphis, you mentioned as well, that got taken off the schedule uh, yeah. for ARCA. So there were a few tracks that got taken off. Milwaukee comes in. ARCA is also going to Mid-Ohio, which uh, is a move I didn't honestly expect, but they are. Um, and then they got their two dirt races they do at the, the Illinois Fairgrounds uh, and somewhere else as well. Uh, but yeah, I think short tracks, definitely they're experimenting with all this stuff. The Milwaukee mile, I think that's been kept in great shape, Iowa. Maybe this is just one last try at Iowa. You know, they took away the Xfinity and truck races away. Um, but I, but I definitely like, uh, like I said, uh, to wrap it up, experimental, experimental. Yeah, I the think identity of that ARCA series though, RJ is wrapped around short tracks, right? Yes. Because you're going to have young drivers getting their first full body stock car, heavy, high horsepower experience. And you want them to get that at places that are smaller. You don't want them to do it at Daytona. Yeah. Right. And I know they have to do that eventually as well, but you really want them getting their feet wet, car control and all this happening more on shorter tracks. And so Milwaukee fits that really well. That's a fast, big track. It's a one mile track, but it's also going to race like a short track and make them use the brakes, beat, bump a little bit. 
it's it fits what they want. So does Iowa. Iowa fit that really well. Um, and so it's important to get those type of tracks on a schedule in a stock car. I think those are great. When we think about like short track racing in general, there are so many iconic places like, five, uh, you know, Five Flags Speedway down there in, in Pensacola. And, you know, we can talk about National Fairgrounds Speedway and Winchester Speedway and Salem and all these like, you know, house, you know, Concord, not Concord, not anymore now since it's gone, but like Caraway and uh, uh, South Boston and all these like really iconic short tracks, Irwindale Speedway out West. There's a reason that these are so popular. They are development grounds for great racers because they force you to really learn how to drive. And that's important to have in a full body stock car. And there's a perfect size of track that we're looking for. We've kind of figured it out. It's right between a half a mile and a mile. <laughs> that's it. That's a great learning size, put on a good show, short track racing, get a feel for it. And so I think NASCAR and ARCA uh, are looking at this and, and Milwaukee Mile fits the bill for them of what they want the series to look like. ARCA has always really had a focus in the Midwest, RJ. I mean, you look at Toledo and yeah. DuCoin and these places they go that are Midwest areas. Milwaukee is right there. I mean, that's it's in the wheelhouse of what they want. I think it fits perfectly the identity of the series. And I think it's awesome to see such a historic place, you know, get get a national on TV race again. That's awesome. Yeah. And while there's a lot of experimenting, I think ARCA, uh, and I feel like they feel this themselves. They have a lot to prove this year because, you know, that it's not been going the best as what they've wanted it to as far as, you know, East and West payouts for the teams, teams even showing up to the track. Uh, I, I don't think 2020 was incredible, you know, for ARCA. You know, obviously COVID has a lot to do with everything. But I think this year they're going to have a lot a lot to prove. I think the schedule looks nice. I think for ARCA, the main thing for that, they put on great races at short tracks. I mean, those young drivers just go out and they, they lay it all the line. And the mile and a half, you know, when you, when you watch them, they're not incredible for racing product because there are so many cars that are just totally different. You know, you got Joe Gibbs, you got GMS, and then you got some family-owned cars that run okay. You got, of course, you got Venturini. And then it's really only about seven cars, you know, in ARCA. Yeah. The gap there in ARCA, where, like we talk about in our field, RJ, I was talking about the A, B, C, D yeah. groups. In ARCA, what you really see is the A and then like all the way back to like a D. <laughs> like there, there is no B or C. <laughs> and much. so that disparity is just overwhelmingly obvious anytime you go anywhere other than like a short track, right? Where those, those D teams maybe have a chance to be a little more competitive. You put them on a big speedway, a mile and a half, and it doesn't put on a very good race. And I think that's where you've seen the competitive level of the series change so drastically in this newer version of our sport. Yeah. And uh, we got, as far as short tracks, uh, if anybody wants to watch a short track in the upcoming weeks, we got the Snowball Derby coming up. I know on, on Speed 51, they're broadcasting short track races all the time. So uh, I've seen I've seen a few on there, but they got stuff going during the offseason races going on. I know uh, me personally, I know people have been watching some iRacing events. Um, I'm trying to get back the, uh, the date, the Daytona charity shootout. The thing we ran in April, it seems like we did that yesterday. It seems like so, <laughs> so close to when we were doing all that iRacing stuff. And I'm like, gosh, that was in April, but yeah. man, yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to get that going again. I know, I know, I know you had just, just missed out on, on actually racing in it. 
uh, yeah. that day, but it was, it was a really cool thing. We're trying to get it back together. And I know there's a lot of other guys getting some, how, how is your iRacing setup going for you? Look, I gotta get back in it, man. It's off season. It's time to kind of get back <laughs> in shape. It's workout, iRacing and focus on next year with the plan. So that's what we got going up over the next few months. Yeah, we're trying, we're trying to get some plans together. So especially for the people listening, uh, for that Daytona charity shootout, we hold the, like we did last time, we just told the race before the qualifiers, we had like 60 plus people come in, you know, in the first uh, minute, the lobby was up. It was just first come first serve. Uh, so that'll be fun trying to get that set up. We got the snowball derby coming up soon and, and it's football season too, as well. How, how, how are your boys at, at Ole Miss? (laughs) Ole Miss, Ole Miss. I got, I got to grab Ole Miss here. Beat our, our biggest rivals, Mississippi State and the Egg Bowl, uh, this past weekend. So, awesome. Uh, got home for Thanksgiving and got to watch the Rebels uh, Rebels come out on top. So, it's it's been good. I hope everybody's having a good uh, start their holiday season and off season. It's We're starting to see the pieces in place here, RJ, for next year for yep. everybody. Uh, they're kind of coming into shape. And now we can really start kind of focus on who we think the contenders are going to be. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. RCR, Spire, the main things we're talking about uh, that they'll get together soon. But yeah, holidays coming up, cold season coming up, football season, racing. everything's happening over the off season. So we're, and we're just three weeks in. So we got, but Daytona, Daytona comes quicker every year. So uh, we'll see, but, but that's been it for this episode of uh, the driver's meeting podcast. Glad to have Raphael Lassard on here. Um, and we will see you guys next time. If you've made it this far, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Drivers Meeting Podcast. We appreciate all the support. And if you liked it, make sure to subscribe, follow, and stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.